All right. All right. Feels like I was here with uh, the majority of you here just a couple hours ago. And it's good and right for us to gather and worship the Lord. Let me uh, tell you what to expect tonight. In a moment, I'm going to pray to open our worship service this evening. And what we're going to do is we're going to read through Luke's narrative of the birth and aftermath of the Lord Jesus Christ. But interspersed throughout those readings, we're going to be able to respond in song. So I'm going to pray, we're going to sing a song, then one of the pastors will come up, read a little bit of Luke, we'll respond in song. One of the pastors will come up, read a little bit out of Luke, we'll respond in song. And as we work our way through Luke, uh, Pastor Jeff will conclude tonight with a 10 to 15 minute devotional, just considering the coming of Christ and the reality of the gospel, and then we'll conclude with one more song. So that's what's in store for us tonight. If you would please pray with me. Our Father in heaven, we give you thanks and praise for the fact that you are always good. And we thank you for the opportunity that we have tonight to hear once again about the incarnation of our Lord and Savior, your only begotten Son, Jesus of Nazareth. I pray that through the reading of your word, your spirit would minister to us and strengthen our conviction that Jesus Christ is who he says he is that we can take your word for what it is. You have seen fit to communicate and preserve your written scriptures for us that we might be encouraged and behold you in your beauty and your majesty, which you've seen to most clearly display in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're asking that you administer by your spirit through your word tonight and that as we respond in song that we would lift our hearts unto you and exalt you and remember who we are in Christ and the wonderful gift that it is to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray for those in our midst who may not know you. We ask that tonight as we read your word and as we hear the gospel through song and through word, that your spirit would minister to them and open their eyes to behold the Lord Jesus Christ and call upon his name for salvation. Bless this night. Be glorified on this night. Encourage your saints on this night as we revel in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Am I on? Okay. Would you all stand with us as we sing this song? Um, We know that Christ came to, uh, to bring us the gospel and to show us that salvation is found in no other in the name of Christ, in the name of the Lord. And we rejoice in that. We want to sing glory to God in the highest. We want to praise him now and lift your voices in adoration and thanksgiving for all that he's done and the salvation that's found in Christ alone.
from Luke chapter 1, starting with verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her.
high priest and intercede. Thy sacrifice, our only plea. The judgment we no longer fear. Thank you, Lord. Thy precious blood has Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 56. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women. And blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord shall come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown, shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things. And the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. All right, everyone stand. Taking on flesh, 
sting shattered the darkness and lifted our shame holy is his name oh, the freedom our savior the yoke of sin has been broken once a slave now by Luke 1, 57 through 80. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son, and her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered, No! He shall be called John. And they said to her, None of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father, inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet, and he wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, Blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbors. And all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare His ways, to give knowledge of salvation to His people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God. 
whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. Luke 2, 1 through 21. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same regions, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from, the, from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, 
let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. i 
Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 38. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the, law, to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And a, sh and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts for many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then, as a widow until she was 84, she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God, to speak of him to, who all, to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem.
Let heaven and nature sing. Amen, church? May heaven and nature sing. May God's people sing. May those who have been saved, because that child was born to us, may we sing because of what he has done for us. When we hear a reading like we've just heard, it's easy to let it pass by. And it's very easy to not benefit and to not profit fully from the words that we've just heard. And so in this time that I spend with you guys, I want to point out four things in this Christmas story so that we will most benefit from it. The first is this. This Christmas story that we just heard is not a new story. It's a very old one. This Christmas story, 2,000 years ago, when it was written, was not a new story either. It was an old one. This story is packed full of references back to promises that God made. This, This story is full of references of historical and biblical figures, real people who, who lived, real people who God spoke to and God made promises to. We, we see mentions of promises made to Abraham who, who lived 1,800 years before Jesus. We see promises mentioned to uh, David that make mention in this Christmas story. Promises made to him a thousand years before Jesus. We see a story told uh, in the Old Testament scriptures from Moses uh, all the way to the time when you have the Apostle John closing with the last book of the Bible, we see a period of, of about 14 to 1600 years where you have God moving and, 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 and having his, his people write down these things so that they could be preserved, so that they can be read, so that they could be heard, so that they could be received, so that they could be beneficial and life-changing for God's people. This is not a new story, but an old one. Did you hear Mary's words? He said, she said, uh, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. This Christmas story is not a new story, but an old one. Did you hear Zechariah's words? He said that God has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham. This Christmas story is not a new story, but a very old one. God didn't change the story. 
He didn't change the plan. This has been his plan all along. And this story is the outworking of God's glory and the revealing of his saving mercies. Secondly, if we're going to benefit most from this Christmas story, we need to not only understand that this story is not new, but an old one. But secondly, this story is not a sad story, but a joyful one. Did you see any sadness as we read those passages? Did you hear the angels weeping? <laughs> Did you hear the angels weeping on, on, on that Christmas morning? No, <laughs> they were singing joy. It's a, it's a story of joy. It's not a sad story. There's not the weeping. There's just joy. There's jubilation. There's singing. There's, there's calls for everyone to stop what you're doing. Stop what you're doing and come and hear and celebrate. Why? Why is this story not a sad one, but a joyful one? Because the Lord is come. The Lord has come. God the Son has become incarnate. He is put on flesh. He is, he is without uh, ceasing to be who he was as the eternal second person of God. He added a human nature to his divine person and he came and he walked among us. We sang earlier, talked about who, who could believe that you could, that, you know, that you could hold God in your hands. You can't make sense of a statement like that without the sort of theology that we have where the God the Son put on human flesh and he was held by his human mother, the Virgin Mary. This is not a sad story, but a joyful one because God has fulfilled his promises. Those promises that he made have been kept with the arrival of this child. Proverbs says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. How much, how much joy is there then when, when you get to receive that thing you've been waiting and longing for? You understand this. Maybe it's a, a, a promise to a theme park that someone made to you. Maybe it was a, a promise of a present that you would get on Christmas morning. M maybe it was you uh, getting a job that someone promised to you. Or, or someone, uh, some of you maybe getting to finally say, I do, with that person who promised to say, I do, with you. Or maybe it's that, that you were able to finally have a child. This hope, this expectation, this longing, when it's satisfied, it's not a time for weeping but a time for celebration, a time for joy, a time for singing. It's not a sad time, but a joyful time. And it's a joyful time because God has given the best gift of all, his son. Luke 1, 26, uh, I have the passage wrong here, said that the child to be born will be called holy, the son of God. And I don't know if you noticed, but Luke 2, verse 10 so the angel said to them, speaking of the shepherds, fear not for behold, I bring you sad news of great sadness. No, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. All of them. This, this joy is extensive. This joy is comprehensive. This joy is open. This joy is available. This joy is universal. It's a joy for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, what? A Savior. A Savior who is Christ the Lord. When a Savior is born, you don't weep. When a Savior is born, you rejoice and you celebrate and you're full of joy. Israel had a really hard time in their history. And if you read the period of the judges, uh, they, they, they kept getting attacked by enemies. And then periodically when they would humble themselves and cry out to the Lord, Lord, have mercy on us. Lord, you see us in, in our rebellion. You see us in our sin. And we know that we don't deserve anything but your judgment for our rebellion and our sin against you. But would you have mercy on us and rescue us? What does God do in the book of Judges? He raises up judges or saviors. And they bring deliverance for God's people. And they bring temporary relief and temporary deliverance. Jesus is the judge of all judges. He's the savior of all saviors. He's the king of all kings. He is the one who has come to conquer all of our enemies and lead us, redeem us, save us, protect us, provide for us. This is our savior. 
And he came to save us from our sins. To come and to die on that cross to bear the penalty that we deserved for our sinning against God so that we could be reconciled to God, so that we could be forgiven, so, so that we could hear these words that just by faith in Jesus, there is no condemnation for you now. Not because you did enough, not because you obeyed enough, not because you went to church enough, not because you got baptized, not because you, you, you said something or prayed something, but because you believed in Jesus. That's it. By faith, receiving the gift that God gave you, you rejoiced over this gift. You didn't scorn it. You didn't push it away. You didn't laugh at it. You didn't mock it. You said, thank you, Lord. I see that I need this. I don't deserve it. I'm a sinner. I'm a rebel. I'm a lawbreaker. But you have made a way for me, a sinner, to be reconciled to you, a holy God, through the precious gift of your son. Thank you. He is my savior. He is my Lord. And you rejoice then and understand how important for him to come into the world. There's no one else who could save us. There's no other promised son of David who would be savior. It is Christ the Lord. I love the line from O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. It says, O come thou rod of Jesse, free, thine own from Satan's tyranny. From depths of hell thy people save and give them victory o'er the grave. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. Do we need a savior? If you don't admit that you're a sinner, then you won't see the need for a savior, someone to save you from your sins. But if you are humble enough, and I don't even think it takes that much humility, <laughs> to be completely honest, like maybe just a, a, a mustard seed of humility, to say, I'm a sinner. I've sinned against God. I understand that I've broken his laws and I deserve death for sinning against him. Doesn't take a lot of humility because you realize in your own heart and, and, and in your, your friends' hearts and your family members' hearts, all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and we need a savior. We need someone to pay for our sins. We need someone to take our sins from us. We need someone to, to take our sins and, and, and throw them into the sea. We need someone to take our sins and remove them from us as far as the east is from the west. That's what a savior does. And that's what our savior Jesus has done. I love what Mary says in her song. She says that God's mercy, hear this, please. If you're here and you think that there's no hope for you, do you think that God can't possibly forgive me for the sinning that I've done? Hear Mary's words to you. His mercy, speaking of God's mercy, is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Not one thing has changed about how God will interact with sinners. He is still gracious and loving, compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. If you will call upon him and plead with him for mercy, he will not cross his arms, look at you and frown at you and say, no. He's gonna, he's gonna welcome you. He's going to rejoice. All the heaven's going to erupt in praise and joy over a single one of you, just one sinner who turns to the Lord. We need a Savior. His mercy is for those who fear him. Do you fear him this morning? The Lord stands ready to save and redeem all who call on him. We sang, he who is mighty has done a great thing taken on flesh, conquered death's sting, shattered the darkness, and lifted our shame. Holy is his name. Oh, the freedom our Savior won. The yoke of sin has been broken. Once a slave, but now by grace, no more condemnation. How is this possible? This is too good to be true. A savior was born to us who came to save sinners like you and I. This is the wonderful hope of the gospel. It's not a sad story, but a joyful one. Hebrews chapter two, verse 14 says that, that Jesus himself partook of the same thing, speaking of the flesh and blood of, of his brothers. 
and, and sisters. It says he partook of the same things that through death, speaking of his death on the cross, he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. When you realize that the one who conquers death has arrived. When you realize the one who says that I am the resurrection and the life, he who believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. The one who believes in me shall never die. And he goes and he lays his life down on the cross. And three days later, he picks it back up and he is raised from the dead, conquering death and proving that he has the power to defeat all of our enemies, sin and Satan and death. That sort of one who broke the power of all three to deliver you and me, that is our savior. And all you have to do is believe on him to receive his saving benefits. Jesus says, everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And so this is not a sad story, but a joyful one. It's not a, a, old story, a new story, but an old one. Not a sad story, but a joyful one. And also, I want to say here that it's not an oral story, but a written one. And this may seem basic and obvious, but we just read from Luke in the first or the second verse of the gospel of Luke, Luke says that just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us to write for you an orderly account that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. John 20 says these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. How many of you would have loved to be there to see the angels? How many of you would have loved to, to see Mary and, 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 you know, hang out with Mary and Elizabeth and see both their pregnant bellies and, and, and you know, maybe, maybe shout at, you know, John the Baptist as, he, as he's in uh, Elizabeth's womb and, and sing a song to Jesus while he's in Mary's womb? And, and how many of you would have, would have, would have loved to, to hear and to, to meet these people and experience what they experienced and see what, what they saw? That would have been great. but we haven't seen that. And we're not responsible before God for not having seen that. We're not held responsible on the basis of what we have not seen, but we are held responsible from the basis of what has been written. And there's no getting around it. It would have been amazing for us to be able to see these things ourselves, but we are responsible to before God to believe on the basis of what has been written and what we have read. In 2 Kings chapter 22, we read of how Josiah the king, as he was serving his king, they found the book of the law which had been missing and as they were repairing the temple. And Josiah had not been there at Sinai. Josiah had not seen the plagues that God did in Pharaoh, on Pharaoh in, in the Exodus. Josiah had not been there to see God conquer the enemies and give the nations over and battle to Israel. Josiah had not been there to see the manna. Josiah had not seen the many great works of deliverance. Josiah had not been there to, to hear from Moses himself and, and be there when he made that covenant with the second general, generation of the Israelites before they entered into the promised land. Josiah had not been there for any of that, but he understood as that book was written that he was accountable to respond to it by faith. And it says that when the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes, said, for great is the wrath that is kindled against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book to do according to all that is written concerning us. God is holding us accountable for what we've heard written in this book. When he wanted to give us what he wanted to give us that we would uh, be judged on the basis of hearing, he wrote it down for us. He had it written down for us by his prophets. And Josiah's example is exactly how we should read and deal with, a, 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 with something like this that is not just oral, but is written. We need to hear we need to hear with faith. We need to hear with humility. We need to hear with a desire to obey what is written. Isaiah 66 verse 5 says, 
This is the one to whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. This Christmas story is not just an oral story, but a written one to be read, heard, and believed. The last point I want to make is that this Christmas story is not the end of the story, but the beginning of one. This Christmas story is not the end of the story. We only got a few chapters here. And even if you were to expand that over the whole gospel of Luke, even then, this is not the end of the story, but the beginning of one. In Mark chapter 1, verse 1, it says, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Luke mentions he, in chapter 1, verse 2, that just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses. What is this beginning that they're talking about? This beginning that they're talking about is the beginning, the new beginning that began with Jesus, God's son. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ. And this is the one who, as we sang, was born to give them, give them second birth. You see, the whole point of hearing the good news of Jesus Christ is to enjoy a new beginning in Christ, to enjoy a new beginning with God. You are to read and hear and hear this preaching as an invitation to a new beginning between you and God, or a refreshed one if you're already in him. This is a message that is not just to be heard, but it's a message for you to be invited into, to encounter and to enter into proper relationship with the true and living God. All this is possible through faith in Jesus Christ. Paul says in Romans 10 that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Jesus says, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. That's the good news of this Christmas story. God has given us a child who, who has come as our Savior, who has lived a perfect life totally without sin, who's died a sacrificial and atone, substitutionary atoning death on the cross, who is buried, who is raised from the, from the dead three days later, as he promised, who then appeared to his disciples, risen from the dead. They touched him. They ate with him. They spoke with him. He taught them. And then he told them that he was going to his father's house. And then he ascended to heaven. And there he is, where he is right now, at the right hand of God the Father. And he will come to judge the living and the dead. And his coming is soon. And he will come and he will raise the righteous and they will reign with him. And he will raise the wicked and he will sentence them and Satan and all who have followed him to an eternal punishment in the lake of fire. And he will bring in a new heaven and a new earth where there will be no more sin, no more crying, no more pain, no more tears, no more death, no more Satan, no more dying, no more disease. All of it will be done away with. All of it will be, be just something, a former thing that has passed away, a faint memory. Behold, new things will have come. This is what Jesus came to do. This is what God so loving the world, gave his son to offer to you. And so realize that this is something to be believed, something to be received, so that you might benefit most from this Christmas story. Father, thank you for every person gathered here, Lord. Thank you that we could read this Christmas story, that we could see, Lord, it's not a new one, but an old one, Lord. That we could, we could see, Father, that this is a, a, a story, Lord, that is not a sad, but a joyful one. Not an oral, but a written one. And not one, Lord, that just speaks about the end of a thing, but also its beginning. Lord, if there's any here who haven't begun anew and afresh with you, we pray, Lord, that they would see that your son has come to give them second birth. And Lord, they, that they might believe in your son tonight and rejoice with great joy over the salvation that he has brought, that he is now their savior, their Lord. And Lord, may they rejoice in the great hope that they have 
that not only did he come to make, to give them second birth, but he also came to raise them from the earth. Lord, may we be in awe of you, in the gift of your son, the forgiveness of our sins, and the eternal resurrected life that we are promised in Christ. We thank you for that, and we sing praise to you for that gift. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand, please, with us as we sing Christmas Day is the reason for Christmas.
What a joy to sing to our Lord. We have a wonderful Savior, Christ the Lord. I want to leave you with a memory of Anna the prophetess, who was a faithful young woman. She married as a virgin. She was married to her husband for seven years, the text said. And then her husband passed away, and then she lived as a widow until she was 84. And you know what she did? She understood this Christmas message. It says that she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And I think that we should all follow her example this Christmas season as well. May the Lord give you strength and peace and wisdom to be faithful to not only hear and benefit from this Christmas message, but to also go forth and proclaim it to others who need the same hope and joy in their lives. And all God's people say, amen, amen. Thank you guys so much. God bless you.